Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with Dr. Larry Pilevsky. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And today is Thursday, December 30th, one day before New Year's Eve. And tonight we're going to have a fantastic conversation with Dr. Larry Pilevsky, who you've heard before. And tomorrow night, we're going to have, for the or for the New Year's Eve show, it's going to be Pastor Brad Cummings, who is the general editor for the Founders Bible. He and I did a fantastic interview today. Looking forward to sharing that with you tomorrow night. And so make sure and tune in for that show. It's going to be a great New Year's Eve show. Before we begin tonight, Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com is the home of the Bard's branded coffee, something I'm very proud of that we have it's a coffee designed for your health, for your mental focus, and your energy all day long. ExpeditionCoffee.com, X-P-E-D, is also the home of a whole set of health products to reclaim our health sovereignty. They all work together, beginning with the Expedition Coffee. From the Expedition Coffee, you have gut, the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut, since so many of our health problems come from leaky gut. We also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone ex- extract with high vitamin C levels. And we have Earth, which is a full body nutrient powder. You take one scoop a day, mix it with water, and drink it like a shake. It gives you everything you need for the full day. And then, of course, Pure 47, which is the most refined silver extract on the market that at a nano level can isolate pathogens in your body. And that includes the full range of SARS-CoV pathogens that are out and about. So in this environment, this whole project, these whole products are designed to work together, be mutually supportive, boost your immune system, and give you the strength and energy you need in this fight that we're in today. Check it out at Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. Also, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. That is the home of the Bards Nation landing page on MyPillow, featuring all sorts of great savings. Your promo code is Bards, B-A-R-D-S. Some of the great savings right now are buy one, get one free Giza sheets, 40% off on My Slippers. We have 75% off on the traditional MyPillow, and one of the great buys right now is the six-piece towel set, for $39.99. You can also use the Bards promo code BARDS anywhere on the MyPillow site, anywhere on the MyStore site, and anywhere on the FrankSpeech.com site. It's a fantastic opportunity to get great savings and great products, and also from a company who fights for liberty with a CEO that is a true patriot and has God and Christ in his heart. So again, check it out MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, the home for Bards Nation. And your promo code is Bards, B-A-R-D-S. Finally, thefoundersbible.com, thefoundersbible.com. This is the Bible for our time. You can get 20% off by using your promo code Bards, B-A-R-D-S, in the coupon entry point 
in, in, in checkout. This Bible is an NASB 1995 edition. It's a beautiful edition of a Bible with a founding, our founding documents, our founding father's documents worked throughout the text. So you can really come to appreciate how deeply rich our history is in, is in a Christian foundation and how our founding fathers really lived scripture as a living language. So again, thefoundersbible.com, promo code BARDS for 20% off. Patriots, we're going to get into the interview in just a second, but we are really in a pretty crazy time right now. Um, videos came out today of a protest in Israel. This is nuts. I mean, literally, a guy started smoking from his eyes and his brain caught on fire. I'm not exaggerating about this. Um, that happens when you get high levels of metals like from an injection in your body, and then you light off a 5G network or something like that. This is pretty crazy. So we are definitely in a crazy, crazy time. And people that are not awake are having a really hard time digesting some of these truths that are before them. What I'm focusing on in the next two shows, and we've kind of been laying the groundwork all week long with a look at Monday's show is The Colony of how we're having to change our perspective to understand this fight, we have to get real about what we really are as a nation. As a nation, we're not a nation, really, nor have we really been a nation. We've been a colony since the beginning. We've just had the illusion of being in a nation state while there's been corporate interests behind the scenes running the whole show and pulling the, the puppet, puppet strings of our po political leaders. We've also had to look pretty carefully and very hard look at the MAGA movement, and the Q movement. And that even gets more complicated with some additional information that continues to surface. One of the things is called Operation Truth, which was done during the Bolshevik period, which when you read about Operation Truth, you'll find that it absolutely mirrors the Q movement, creating an idea that there's an entity that is organized within the government to save the people, etc. Now, I don't know that the, the Q movement is all of that, but definitely there's some indications of a lot of falsity within what was being led. Every one of us at one point or another has been duped, so there's no egos here. It's just that we have to start coming to grips with what we're really dealing with. In a video that I watched today from 2008, then Trump, Donald Trump, now President Trump, was defending Hillary as a great woman and, a, and Clinton as a great president. Now, the one thing we have to keep in mind is in the elite circles, doesn't matter whether you're on the moderate elite or the extreme elite, taking power like this requires that people go through measures of public humiliation. And those that can endure the most humiliation and still rise to power usually win the prize. So my suspect, I'm getting increasingly suspect that we've been played pretty well by the elites in the last few years, and especially with the positions that President Trump is taking these days and pro-vax and openly pro-vax. And like I've said many times, there is this position that he holds now that is not defensible by any patriot, which is the vax is saving lives, that if you're against the vax, you're playing into their hand, and that the vax was the greatest invention in human history. That's a bunch of garbage. What the VAX is is a foundation injection for the transhumanist project and the migration into the fourth industrial revolution. In an additional bit of revelation today, we've now discovered through some great research by uh, Shine with Chanda that the 5G network that there's a, they're about ready to light off on 
January 5th is not just a 5G network. It's already primed for 6G, and no one informed the public about that. And the FDA is opening opening up, or the FTC, excuse me, is opening up the full range of high, mid, and low frequencies and unregulated frequencies on the 5G net while they shut down the 3G network. So you can kind of see that there's a fairly significant conspiracy on their side that's being played upon us to force us into this fourth industrial revolution. And this is something that's important to come to grips with because it comes back to where do we place our trust in our faith? And our trust in our faith is not with them. These people are trying to move out and they're trying to continue to accelerate their plan as fast as possible, which in the end tells me that they're not gaining the traction that they had hoped to get and they have to move faster to try to seize and maintain control of a people that are continuing to awaken to the truth. The truth truth does not have a political party. The truth does not have an alliance with an individual man. The truth is centered in our relationship through Christ to the Father, and through that we gain the absolute truth of what we need to do. So with all that said, this should be a very optimistic time, a a very powerful time as we enter into 2022, looking very frankly back on what we accomplished and looking forward to what we have potential to do. We have the ability, we have the right, as we know very well from Scripture, to step on snakes and scorpions, and we have dominion over all evil. We also are been told that we will achieve and can achieve greater works than he, We have been meaning Christ. So it's a matter of where we set our faith and what we have in our determination going forward. So with all that said, I think you'll enjoy this interview tonight, a very good discussion with Dr. Larry Pilevsky, an interview that runs about an hour. And uh, with it no more said, we'll introduce Dr. Pilevsky. Well, Patriots, I'm very honored today to have Dr. Larry Pilevsky back on with us. Another one of the brilliant minds in this fight of awakening and helping us understand and appreciate all the challenges that are before us here especially in this war against our health and ultimately our sovereignty. Dr. Pilevsky, good morning and welcome to the show. How are you? Good morning, Scott. Thank you for inviting me again and uh, happy holidays and happy new year and blessings to a great 2022 to you, your loved ones and your listeners. Well, thank you and the same to you. We are really in a strange time right now. We are in a time where it's a lot of things are starting to come to the surface, a lot of revealing. And it's really a question of where that tipping point is going to be, where it finally wakes people up. And I I just think that's kind of a good place to start today. I completely agree. I mean, there are many people, Scott, who understand that we're at war. You know, when you see the lockdowns and you see the mandates and you see the censorship, and you see the idea of passports and restrictions, you you know that this has nothing to do with health. And it has everything to do with removal of freedoms and the potential of murder and genocide. And so, you know, you have a lot of people who see exactly what's going on, many who have seen this for decades. You know, this is not new to many people, including me, uh, in regards to what is operating 
sort of under the radar that's now surfaced. It's like one of those submarines that finally has come up to the surface that, you know, people didn't know about, but many people did and just, you know, didn't do anything about it or say anything about it. And so, you know, you have to wonder what what is it that's going to allow enough people to open their eyes and open their hearts to uh, another truth? Because certainly there are many people who do believe that all of this is altruistic, that there's a real disease out there, um, that there's something that needs to be fought, all of which is a distraction from another set of truths, which are that there's a war and there's an attempt to bankrupt the world, you know, siphon resources, um, limit people's ability to have freedom and uh, basically make them starve, make them poor, um, make them die. And so this, this is not about a virus. This is, has nothing to do with a virus. It has to do with control and, the, you know, and genocide. And, and the question is, what's the tipping point? When, when is it that something shifts the consciousness enough where the populace is sufficiently able to stand up and say, no, no more. Now, I believe that the evil that we're seeing all over the world, they, they know that they have a finite time frame. I, they know that their, their, their gig is up. They know that this is not going to last forever. They know that they're not going to win. Uh, I think it's all pretty much... Uh, set. And I do, I do believe it's already set. And uh, I believe that, um, that there's going to be some potential, I didn't see that coming event or series of events that's going to potentially shift uh, people into greater consciousness. And, you know, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, enough kids dying because, you know, you look at it for 60 years, Scott, or more parents have been screaming at the top of their lungs that the shots injured or maimed or killed their kids and nobody listened and they went to state houses they went to doctors offices they went to institutions they went to the media they broadcasted it on the internet everywhere no one listened and so we know that you know when a truth is a truth if you don't listen it's going to get louder so you can listen so does that mean more kids have to die for people to go, oh, may maybe there's actually a problem here. I, I, I think we've, we need to address this. I don't know. I don't know. But I do believe that uh, there will be a tipping point. It may be something sort of catastrophic, maybe earthly, um, maybe heavenly, maybe globally that may have nothing to do with, okay, enough kids have died, people have woken up and they've seen what we've done to the kids and, oh, maybe we should actually uh, speak up more. I'm not so sure that's gonna be it. Um, we used to say in medical school, one medicine changed one death at a time, but I'm not so sure this is just about medicine. This is much greater than medicine. I think the, the powers that be, they're putting their resources away they know what's coming. They know they're going to lose. They're going to create as much havoc, as much destruction, as much death 
as much um, permanent damage as possible. And then they're going to go off in their chalets and they're going to be somewhere in Brazil or Argentina or wherever these elitists have found ways to find immunity uh, in past wars. And then uh, we're going to have to deal with all the middle men and women who, you know, really thought that they were hot shots and big shots and big men on women on campus and what's going to happen to them once the people really understand that uh, uh, these people have been doing uh, devil's work. And uh, once the uh, humans realize that, um, as we look in history, Scott, what happened to those who were the middle people who were brave and bravado and arrogant and corrupt and and uh, totalitarianistic, they ran for their lives in the fields. And so, you know, I I I don't I don't wish anybody harm, Scott. But if history repeats itself, which I think it always does, those middle people are going to um, be very sorry that they. Uh, provided the the evil with uh, opportunities for uh, the, the genocide and the restrictions of freedom. And so, again, I, I've mentioned very uh, uh, several possible tipping points, death, uh, earthly global catastrophic events like we've seen in the Bible before, although uh, we we God promised us no floods, so who knows what it will look like. And... Um, you know, maybe it'll be, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there, there are many possibilities, but uh, we will have a tipping point. It's just a matter of when and how and, and uh, patience, 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 staying in the truth, staying in love, staying in the higher powers and recognizing that uh, this has all been decided already. It's just a matter of when and how and who um, the players will be uh, to bring it to fruition. I agree with what you're saying. And the other part of this is the numbers of distractions that I, I point out regularly on the show of just how the escalation of distraction has gone up. There's so many different themes running right now from the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. You've got the issues of obviously the injections, the Omicron nonsense that's going on. You have economic issues going on, the supply chains, the lockdowns. And to your point, there is so many things going on that people are not focusing before them enough on what the real truths are, when at the same time, the elites are quite literally telling people the truth. They're telling people that these injections aren't working or openly admitting that this all is for the motive of taking away freedoms or, or forcing people to take the injection. And it, it does take often an event to wake people up and get them refocused on what's before them. And it's at those moments of time when we're almost at the cusp of losing everything that I think humanity has the opportunity to rise to its greatness, but only through a, a level of suffering and pain does that seem to happen. Historically, that seems to show true. I agree. And and I think that, you know, a couple of, in the last couple of years, I've, I've sort of took, taken a retrospectoscope and looked at what what is it that actually has driven human beings to be so subservient, so obedient, and so um, submissive to the authority? 
And yeah, you can look at fear, you can look at all those things, but but it, to me, it actually starts with uh, parenting. And, you know, when I was a kid, the kind of parenting we saw was, uh, you need to fear me or else you're going to die. And so many people, many kids of that generation were scared of their parents. They were scared of the ramifications, so they were obedient. Then when those kids grew up and they had kids, they said, no, 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 we're, we're not going to do that. We're going to be, we're going to be easy on our kids. But they were easy on their kids to the point where the kids were also submissive. Because, you know, the, the parents gave them everything. Everything the kids wanted, they got. Every, everything they needed, they got. They wouldn't let them struggle. So the kids became dependent and therefore obedient. And so then they grow up and now they're the majority of the adults in the world today. And they want to get away from their parents. And what do they do? They just find someone else to whom they can be submissive and obedient. And so we 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 need to let our kids start to struggle we need to allow our kids not to get what they want we need to let humans understand that not getting you what you want is not the end of the world that you won't die that life is still pretty good that you're okay and that quite frankly you have options and what we see, especially in the late teenage years, 20s and 30s, and maybe some in the 40s, you see this, this, well, I have to have what I want. And so we have allowed this submissiveness. Well, you know, because we parent them, the, parented these kids that way. We, we gave them everything they wanted because we didn't want them to feel bad. We didn't want them to struggle because we struggled when we were made to fear our parents. And so instead, <clears throat> by not allowing our kids to struggle, by giving them everything they want, by buying them their cars, by writing their essays for college, by getting them jobs that they didn't have to get themselves, you know, by answering all their questions so that they didn't have to figure it out themselves, we created submissive human beings. And those submissive human beings are now running our country as voters. And, you know, they can't get what they want, so they're going to just do what they have to to get what they want. Instead of recognizing that in order to get what you want, you really have to struggle. Or in order to get what's in your best interest and what's in your highest need, you're going to have to struggle. And so if you're going to make a change on the outside world, you need to make a change on the inside world. And so I, I say this to parents all the time, and, and I don't mean this in a derogatory or negative or, you know, uh, tyrannical way, but please start letting your kids struggle. You know, I, I, over the last 20, 30 years, I can't tell you, Scott, the number of times I heard parents say, well, I don't want my kid to feel bad. Well, but that's half of life. You want to, you want to strip your kid from learning how to move through, navigate, understand, and resolve struggle? You want to take that away from them? 
because that's what you're doing when you answer for them, do for them, provide for them, and and make it easy for them. And I'm not saying that you need you know you need to throw your kid out in the middle of the street and tell them to live under a tree for the first 20 years of their life. No, but stop giving them the answer to everything. Stop giving them their phones, their iPads, their their computers, their games as escapes for how they can know the world. And start teaching them the world. Start offering them how it is to struggle in life and how you can resolve it and how you have options when life doesn't give you what you want. Because your sole purpose in life is not to get what you want only, but to get what's in your highest good. And that's, we've, we've failed our kids for several generations. And so if we want to shift the consciousness in the real world, we have to shift the conscious in the inner world, in the home. And so when a kid asks a question, give them the opportunity to figure it out, give them the opportunity to struggle and solve it themselves. When a kid can't do something, don't come to the rescue right away. Give them the opportunity to work it through. Develop problem-solving skills. You know, I saw a kid in my office a couple of months ago, 11 years old. I told him how tall he was in inches. And he said, well, how much is that is in feet? And I said, you're in school. Figure it out. And he kind of looked at me with this blank stare and then reached over to grab his mother's phone to do the calculator. I'm like, no, no, figure it out. Take a piece of paper, figure it out. And this is, this is what we're missing in bringing up our kids. We're missing the opportunity to allow them to struggle so that they can know how to be confident, how to get resolve, how to become leaders and not just followers. Because all you do is create submissive men and women. And then they just will listen to any authority that they can glom onto so that they don't have to do the thinking and the work themselves. You have a very unique optic on all of this. And I've commented on this before because your medical focus is children. One of the things that I'm always amazed at is the difficulty or difficulty is not the right term, but the place in which most people in medicine are these days, which are basically obedient souls to the tyranny of the pharmaceutical industry. You come from an upbringing in medicine of true cognitive thinking and uh, analysis for symptoms and, and cures. What changed, Larry, in this medical pipeline from when you were in school and developing your process in medicine to what we're seeing today? And I guess I, I'm, I'm directing it this way because it appears to be related to what you just talked about, which is the obedience of raising children. Well, it's interesting because if, if people, when, when people ask me that question, one of the first things I say is, blame my medical school. school. They're, they're the ones that taught me critical thinking. They're the ones that said how to evaluate a problem. They're the one that spoke about taking a study and ripping it apart and how to look at the abstract, how to look at the, the study design, how to look at the methods, how to look at the results, how to evaluate the results how to look at the conclusions that the authors came to and understand whether the authors were, were true uh, 
in truth with their conclusions. And then looking at the discussions and seeing if the discussion somehow was extrapolating way, way beyond what the results showed. And that was medical school. We, we went through differential diagnoses, 10, 15 differential diagnoses, so that we could figure out how to understand what was being presented when a patient came into the office, into the ER, uh, into the ICU, into the ward. And I loved it. I sucked it up. And I remember, so I graduated in 1987, and I remember I finished training in 91. I was an ER physician in the Bronx, New York, from 91 to 95. And I remember within those four years, I started seeing the evidence-based medicine become part of uh, medical care. And when I watched it, I watched the removal of good histories and physicals. I watched the removal of doing a differential diagnosis. And I watched the implementation of protocol medicine algorithms. And I remember when I was at the, the next job from 1995 to 2000 in uh, New York City, I was running a pediatric intensive care unit. One of my responsibilities was to do rounds on the ward with the pediatric medical students, residents, and interns. And I'll never forget when a medical student presented a case, this is maybe somewhere between 95 and 97, and the medical student presented a case, you know, a five-year, a new case of a kid who came into the uh, uh, ER the night before and was admitted to the hospital and presented the case with a five-year-old came in with a headache and the MRI showed and I stopped the medical student dead in her tracks. And I said, wait a second, do you have a history? Do you have a physical? Is, is, there, is there anything in the history or the physical that would give you a better understanding of what would contribute to the onset of a headache? Did you go over the diet? Did you go over sleep? Did you go over school? Did you go over the social environment, the emotional environment, the psychological environment? Did you, is there a divorce in the family? Is a new baby? Was there a death in the family? Is there, is there a supplement the kid's taking? Is the kid on a medication? Did the kid hit the head? Uh, is there any sinus symptoms? How about ear pain? Right? Uh, how are the eyes? Is, did you do a neurological exam? And so I went through this entire sort of understanding of how to evaluate the kid. And the medical student had nothing. And the residency director, uh, days later, pulled me aside and said, I need you to stop grilling the medical students like that. I said, why? So because it, it, it's not right. I said, what do you mean it's not right? I'm teaching them clinical medicine. And he said, no, lay off, Larry. And so that was system-wide, Scott. That was an opportunity for medicine to become five-year-old, gets a headache, and gets an MRI. And, you know, I was trained, you see a kid, you do the workup as much as you can yourself before you refer to a specialist or before you go and do tests. And that's gone. So I would say, you know, 
somewhere between 1993 and 1997, it really cemented in the medical training, uh, the medical school internships and residencies. So it was no longer critical thinking. It was no longer evaluation. Uh, you just followed the protocol and the algorithm. So that's a huge, huge um, break in the way medicine was practiced. And it became obedience. And it became uh, following the, the rules. And it became subservient and submissive. At the same time, the HMOs were being formed in the early to mid-90s. And doctors were becoming part of hospital systems. Their practices were being bought out. And so again, those doctors who were practicing on their own, taking insurance, were now um, submissive to big hospital systems and insurance companies. And so those two big events, I think, changed the way we practiced medicine. So you know, you don't really see critical thinking anymore in the evaluation of a of a child or an adult who has an illness. You just see uh, algorithms and protocols, and it's like you just you you look up a word, yeah, the word headache, and it tells you what to do. So you're now robotic. You're no longer even um, uh, a thinking individual. You're now a robot. And I think that that's where medicine, that I think they want medicine to go. That's how you increase pharmaceutical medicine. That's how you increase vaccinations. That's how you increase profits. And you eliminate the, the real physician. You just, you have the, the, you know, the follower. You have this submissive uh, physician. And I can't tell you how many times you know, I hear on the sidelines, physicians say, yeah, I know this is bull or I know this is cruel or I know that, but I have to do it anyway. And you know, so the souls of the physicians have been removed. And that was not something I experienced as a medical student from 1983 to 1987. And, uh, it's only the physicians who were able to step out of the hospital system, step out of the insurance system. Those are the ones who are predominantly speaking up, predominantly, except for, you know, people like Peter McCullough, who, you know, just got is getting slammed because he's in the system. And they're they're basically saying, you know, you're going rogue uh, because you're not doing what we tell you. And he's not going rogue. He he's actually exposing them for their their corruption and their lies. Um, we've lost critical medicine, and you know I have said that one of the legacies I want to leave before I exit this physical body is uh, I want to be part of the groups that uh, reinstate uh, good clinical medicine, good histories, good physicals, learning how to listen, learning how to do an exam and learning how to do a differential so that uh, we're just not tossing people into categories and then profiting from the tests that we do. And it became, it became about profits and profits and control and more profits. And, uh, you know, you know, the end, you, you know, the end of the story, the, the, the last chapter of that is, you know, you guys are going to collapse because you stole the souls. You, you ripped you ripped the money, you stole the souls, and uh, 
you know, we know how that ends at some point. You've talked before about the concept of lizard brain or reptilian brain, mm-hmm. which is this very uh, reactive, um, non-cognitive space within our thinking that happens when we see this underdevelopment of cognitive capability and the practice of using our mind in such a way. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what you're talking about here seems to reflect that within the physician's world where they've been placed into a schooling and an education that indoctrinates them very much to the obedience of, of certain formulas rather than the, as you're saying, the, the empirical approach to medicine where there's so much thinking involved in diagnosis taking and, and assessment. Is there yeah. a way to take many of these back to that level and understand it's, it's one thing to take somebody who's new into medicine and to open their minds, which is a profound gift. At the same time, can we take some of these physicians and reawaken them to the processes that you're talking about? Yes. And it requires, um, it requires humility. And it requires what, what we've talked about before. What I th- say is three main things. Ability to be uncertain, the ability to not know, and the ability to be curious. Because you get out of a brain, you get out of the 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 hindbrain, you get out of the um, the fight or flight response when you're curious enough to actually have an experience that may give you information that goes beyond what your fears and your anxieties are about. And that's why I beg parents to stop giving their kids the answer, to stop solving things, to stop um, coming to their rescue the minute they have some irritation because they have to have the experience that there's a beginning to their discomfort, there's a middle to their discomfort, there's an end to their discomfort. And then once they realize they're still alive and they're actually okay, and they experience something and got through it, you build their character, you build their strength, you build their consciousness. And um, if we continue to just take away their curiosity and not allow them to have uncertainty and unknown and just be there to guide them so that they have knowns and they have some certainties and their curiosity turns into experiences and knowledge. If we can do that, then we'll get out of this lizard brain. Um, You know, it's as simple as watching a four-year-old in my office who's screaming because she doesn't want to get on the scale like this is a four-year-old. And my answer to her is hold my hand. Let's just have the experience together. And then let's see if the screaming and the the crying that you're going through actually makes sense. That there is anything really to be afraid of. And so I got her to hold my hand. I got her to come with me. We went on the scale. She had the experience. And then she wasn't crying any longer because their fear was no longer a fear. It was, oh, I I did it. I I, I can do this. 
but this is a kid whose parents are there to solve every problem when she's uncomfortable so it doesn't go from beginning, middle to end and then resolve. They interfere with it. So she never understands that uh, the resolution of discomfort is actually strength and confidence and self-awareness and consciousness. And so you don't reverse a lizard brain with intellect. You don't reverse a a lizard brain with facts and information. You guide a lizard brain through curiosity, um, knowing through experience, and uh, certainty through experience so that they can develop their own confidence and their own strength. Um, That's why we have so many obedient people, because we've taken away their curiosity, we've taken away their uncertainty, we've taken away their unknown, and we've told them what life is. And so they don't have to do anything on their own. So they'll go to an app, they'll go to uh, a game, they'll go to um, a phone, they'll go to uh, the authority and say, ah, I feel better now. I have another kind of authority that I could rely on because I don't have my inner authority at all because I've never been given it as an opportunity to experience it. Because from the very early times, we just took away any discomfort, any, um, uh, uh, I I, I don't know, any uncertainty, any unknown. And so we have to start creating comfort in discomfort. That's a really interesting laydown of what you're talking about, because when we put that over the wide experience that people are going through right now with this sort of COVID nonsense. Everybody is facing experience and uncertainty. And that just seems to be a very interesting kernel to be putting into everybody's cognitive set as they are in this time, just as almost it is the core of a of a deeper awakening that has the potential to really bring humanity to that tipping point. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. And how many people with that discomfort are actually, you know, but I have to go to the concert, get the shot. But I have to go to the restaurant, get the shot. But I have to be able to travel and get the shot. So there's this, I want, I want, I want, I have to go to the theater, get the shot, right? There's no willingness to see that this is a struggle that we're all in, that we have to band together and fight. And so you have the people who see the discomfort right away when their freedoms are being taken away. And because they're so obedient and submissive, you know, but I have to get back to life. I have to be able to do these things. You know, my kid has to go to college. Well, no, I mean, how many how many people in World War One, World War Two, didn't go to college that year or school that year because there was a war, right? How many people had to stay home? But we're not allowing our children to recognize 
that there's a war and, you know, we're going to, we're going to buckle up and we're going to work together and we're going to, you know, create the kind of world that's going to give us our freedoms back. You know, so maybe those people who were uncomfortable, Scott, and then got the shot, well, now they really saw what discomfort was because there's nothing healthy about this shot. We all know that. Even the people who are getting the shot know that. Even the, I mean, even our vice president says it. You know, the majority of people who are being hospitalized now have fully been given the shot. Well, yeah, are you listening? They're hospitalized because of the effects of the shot. And so we slowly ramp up the discomfort um, in hopes that we don't completely annihilate the human race and uh, we have enough people who get out of their stupor um, so that the discomfort becomes uh, enacted into something that, that uh, saves humanity. But I don't know. I don't know. Again, it's back to what we said earlier. I don't know what the beginning of that looks like. Uh, maybe it's earthly catastrophic. Maybe it's nature catastrophic. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe there's somebody or some groups that'll go rogue. You know, um, I don't know. But uh, we need discomfort in order to figure out a way to get uh, the truth into uh, more and more people's minds. In looking ahead, medicine right now is, as we know it, the medical industry is in chaos and in a spiral of collapse. And as you pointed out, there is an awakening within sectors of creating a health-based system that gets people healthy again, not dependent on the pharmaceutical industry. What do you see as some of the good avenues that are rising up on this and the directions that you're seeing from your optics of where medicine may be going or health cure, health-based medicine may be going? Well, it's interesting because uh, a number of months ago, I was doing a, a podcast interview with Christiane Northrup, and it was a consciousness uh, uh, platform. And we were asked the question, what do we see as the next healthcare system? And Dr. Northrup gave her answer, which was, of course, brilliant and, and well thought out. And I said, well, actually... Um, I want to be a part of the first ever healthcare system in this country because we've never had a healthcare system in this country. Um, we've never had a system based on health. We've never had a system based on caring. And we've never had a system that worked. And so a healthcare system would be what we create for the very first time. And in so doing, we, uh, we, we are um, obligated to start empowering people and educating people and uh, how to be accountable and responsible for their own health. And I remember several you know, generations ago when a child would get sick, the mother would know exactly what to do because her mother taught her exactly what to do, because her mother taught her exactly what to do. And over the last couple of generations of mothers, 
all that folklore has stopped being passed down for the sake of the over-the-counter drug and the pharmaceutical drug and the doctor. And so, you know, the mother used to be the frontline doctor. And I truly feel that, that we are obligated to reteach that folklore so that mothers can be empowered and fathers can be empowered to look at a kid who's got a fever and a cough and go, okay, get into your pajamas. I'll set the bath up. I'll put the tea on. I'll get the kettle going. We're going to have some soup. I'll get you under the blankets, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I'll put the wet cloth on your forehead. You know, we'll close down the lights. I'll lie with you in bed and hold you. These are things that were simple. And, you know, parents understood, okay, I know what to look out for if something more significant happens. And nowadays, if a child has a fever, the parent is running to the emergency room or begging the doctor for the prescription for antibiotics um, right away. And we have hurt kids very badly. And, uh, you know, because parents don't want to be inconvenienced, they don't, they want their kid to be in school, they want to have to stay, they don't want, they don't want to have to stay home from work. And, um, you know, they don't understand that there are ways to keep kids healthy through diet and lifestyle and emotional environment and spiritual environment and decreased pollution environment and toxins so that uh, they can rarely get sick. And you'll have a kid who's just pruning and growing all on his or her own. So the medical system, that the healthcare system, uh, is, needs to be uh, grown around the topic of health, empowerment, uh, responsibility and accountability, diet, lifestyle, and of course, you know, the, the simple remedies that parents can use at home and teaching them what to look out for, what constitutes something that's worrisome that requires more medical attention and, you know, uh, um, varying the healthcare team so that the medical doctor is no longer the only person who can provide health care to those families. So you, you, you know, I, 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 over the last 20 years, I have asked parents to develop a healthcare team for themselves and they'll have medical doctors, they'll have naturopaths, they'll have chiropractors, they'll have herbalists, they'll have homeopaths, they'll have Chinese medicine, acupuncture and herbalists They'll have Ayurvedic specialists. They'll have craniosacral therapists and osteopaths and many others that I didn't mean to leave out, but those are the ones that came to me off the top of my head. But when families have this array of options and this array of um, opportunity, they will learn how to better care for their kids and themselves without needing a prescription or an over-the-counter drug. Um, and that's how I envision health care teams to be set up out in the real world. So it's not just the medical doctor at the acute care clinic.
but there's also a chiropractor, an acupuncturist, a homeopath, where many of their treatments can be implemented immediately, even better than Western medical interventions. And then what you see is a, a healing center for acute care, and then the same thing for chronic care, and then the same thing for well care. Um, and that's that's what I envision. And I don't think I don't think Western medicine. Uh, it, it, I don't think anyone needs to do anything to Western medicine. It it's doing itself its own death. Um, those of us who are interested in creating health care um, are are slowly but surely putting our efforts and our energies towards that. If we enter into this new year, and there's been it's been a trial in 2021 for a lot of levels of awakening and the struggles to get to these points of finding a path ahead, more so for some than others, but nonetheless, it's been a trying year, especially with all the corporate propaganda and the intense push to silence the voice of truth. There appears to be, at least from where I sit, an awakening and a hope that sits before us in 2022 that is more about renewal. And from what you're saying here, that sounds to be a direction that you're headed into. And what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, I, 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 as I said, I, I want the, the last 30 some odd plus years of my life to be devoted towards, you know, uh, creating the opportunity for healthcare, um, empowerment, education, and allowing people to um, understand what it means to be accountable and to be responsible for their own health and understand the role that diet plays and sleep plays and seasonal eating plays and emotional environment and the kinds of social environments you put your kids in and how much you feed them with stimulation and information and electromagnetic radiation and um, how you nurture their spirit, what kind of friends you, you uh, uh, put them around, expose them to what kind of information you you shove down their throats. You know, just understanding the whole kid from not the perspective of just, well, they're, they're sick because they lack a drug or they're sick because they lack an over-the-counter medicine, but they're having an illness because maybe they're needing to clear out a certain degree of uh, dis-ease in their system that is required in order for them to go forward. So we start looking at the role of, of illness differently. We look at the microbiome differently. We look at solutions differently. And I think that there are enough of us who are capable of doing this and um, are strong enough and smart enough to do this because, um, you know, there will be a need for Western medicine, no doubt. You know, you're going to need surgery. You're going to need emergency care. But as far as just maintenance of health, um, it just, it's not going to last. Because, because Western medicine is betraying the population. 
they have been betraying the population for decades. They have been allowing pharmaceutical drugs to be used knowingly, uh, even even after uh, they hid their own data showing how harmful their their drugs were. And then once they paid their fine, people turned around and said, "Well, uh, I'll have more drugs, even though the company that made them." is absolutely corrupt and wanted to hurt me, I'll have more of their drugs because that's what I need. And, you know, no one no one gets immunity from uh, any liability from shots uh, because they're really altruistic. They get immunity from liability because they were taken to the cleaners before 1986 because of the harm that their shots were causing. And somehow their safety didn't all of a sudden change once their once their immunity to liability liability was put into place. And so, you know, again, as I said earlier, parents have been screaming for decades that these shots are hurting, maiming, damaging, and killing their kids, and no one listened. So, you know, we have to go through another hurting, maiming, damaging, and killing before people go, oh man, how long has this been going on? Wow, we actually trusted them. We're putting this material into our bodies and they never meant it to be a vaccine. They always meant it to be gene therapy. And that's why my kid at 15 is going to need heart medications for the rest of his life because I gave him a shot that damaged his heart and, and, and he doesn't, he didn't really need it. And now he's going to be debilitated for the rest of his life because his heart's going to be damaged. And so that system is killing itself, but it will be needed and we will pare it down and we will use it. And um, already hospitals are closing down, Scott. Um, they're already losing staff. They're already losing um, patients. And so, you know, we're going to create healthy care and a system of healthy care where, you know, I've been saying for 20 years that I practice holistic medicine using conventional medicine as an alternative. And I, I didn't really understand what I was saying 20 years ago. Um, but I think that's the wave of the future is that conventional medicine is going to become needed, but it's not going to become dominant. It's not going to be dominant. And that's okay. That's okay because we're going to go, we're going to move into health. And, uh, you know, if you build it, they will come because I think people are wanting it. They're wanting it. They're wanting it. And unfortunately, we have not provided it yet, but I believe that we will. Well, as we kind of close this out today, what would be your general thoughts, just a message to give to people heading into 2022? You know, re remember, discomfort exists. It doesn't last, and uh, comfort exists, and it doesn't last. And so we need our patience. We need our fortitude. We need our love. Um, we need our connection. Um, we need our faith, and we need our empowerment. Uh, understanding that in the heavens, all of this has been decided. We are made for these times, and we are we are here to help pick up the pieces once this all resolves. 
and uh, you know, no one has a crystal ball, um, but we we are building our strength, we are building our fortitude, we are building our resilience, and we are building our consciousness for uh, a time uh, that um, is coming that uh, we we do not yet know how all of that is going to be manifested and how our efforts are going to be needed. So uh, look at 2022 as as a continuation of um, speaking the truth, staying in love, keeping the faith, being patient, taking good care of yourself, connecting to those people who are right for your soul um, and uh, and keep building the community uh, so that we, we can be uh, available for when this uh, eventually um, finishes itself out. These are great words. Larry, as we always do, we always close with a prayer. And if it's okay, we'll close with a prayer today. By all means, Scott. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this time and this blessed moment of just sharing the, a real truth in understanding us. And we're just blessed with Dr. Larry Pilevsky's work and his continued voice to guide us and to continue to open up the truth within us and to give us the, encourage us to give us the strength as we move forward here to seek the truth, but seek the truth through experience, to stir within us that deeper knowledge that you've given us and that deeper strength to stand up, to be bold, and to know that this incredible temple that you've given us is a, is a perfect temple. It, and then if we nurture it and we take care of it, that our health becomes a foundation that we can be in and live in in this world and generate that greater understanding and prosperity that you intend for us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Larry, I want to thank you very much again. As always, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. The discussions are great. And I just, I want to thank you for just all that you bring because it's, um, you have a great voice and an important one and you provide an insight that, uh, is so needed to understanding the deeper part of who we are and the opportunities we have before us. So thank you. Uh, you're welcome. And thank you, Scott. Well, have a very blessed day and a very happy new year. Well, Patriots, that was Dr. Larry Pilevsky. He's a good friend. He's a brilliant mind, and he's one of the great voices in this fight. I think he's made some really good points tonight and some things that I hope that will give some people some solid strength going into 2022. 2022 is going to have its own challenges, and it's really going to center a lot on our will to stand up to this evil and say no. And it's going to stand, it's going to hinge a lot on our ability to build that strength of foundation in our homes, where we live, and from there, the community that we build around us. There really isn't any more time to play around with that. We're in a, we're entering into some pretty critical times and that clock is ticking. And regardless of whether you want to believe that there's going to be some Extra external earth or supernatural event or whether it's going to be the zombie apocalypse or just the in continued press by the Nazis that are in power. No matter how you slice it, we're heading into a culmination period that's moving very quickly. All the pieces are on the board to create the, the big stand between humanity and evil. And the one thing we have to get clear on is getting away from the distractions, 
keeping our eyes focused on the cross, follow that loving Christ, and step away from the insanity that keeps swirling around that gets people sucked away from what's really going on. We need to see clearly. And voices like Dr. Larry Pilevsky offer that optic to see clearly of what's going on and the direction we have ahead. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Our prayers give us that foundation every single day. And we need to keep that focus there. We have a remnant that needs to be empowered and we need to build more strength within its ranks. And I can't say that enough. There's a point in time now that we have to kind of accept that who's ever awake is awake and who's ever wandering, they need to figure it out. We're not going to be their saviors. They have to save themselves. But we have to be strong as a remnant. We have to continue to build the salt and the light within our ranks. And God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And with that, we also have to respect the fact that while God wins, he has us here for a reason. Not to dilly-dally, not to be sitting in his a pew marshmallow wondering when the Savior is going to come. We have a role to play. And that means on the ground, actively building our faith, giving faith traction and wheels, and modeling the type of world that we want to live in. That's our greatest weapon, along with truth and, above all, our love and intimate relationship that we have with Christ Jesus and, and God. So, I'll see you this tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. 
not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push, we climb, we never give in, we become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray, we stand, we live by the words, in God we trust, we fear nothing, we are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 